Hello, everyone. Welcome to the Auburn Undercover Podcast. I'm your host, Brandon Marcello, going solo today, but we will bring in a guest here later in the podcast. We're going to turn to the state of Mississippi. Auburn facing Mississippi State this week, of course, but we're going to turn to the state of Mississippi and speak to Matt Wyatt, a former Mississippi State quarterback, now a radio and television personality. You've probably seen him around. Does a great job breaking down X's and O's in a new video series he's created and has kept his eye on Auburn throughout the year. And, of course, Mississippi State, his alma mater, hosts a radio show as well in Mississippi. Very popular guy, very knowledgeable guy, and I uh, can't wait to speak to him more about this game coming up this weekend. Auburn, Mississippi State, two teams, I believe, that are so similar. And I think that's why in Las Vegas, where the odds makers make their money, have this game as only having Auburn as a three-point favorite going in, even though Auburn's a quote-unquote number eight team in the country and Mississippi State's unranked and has scored only 13 combined points over the last two games. And the reason for that is both teams have incredible defenses led by incredible defensive lines, and their offenses have kind of lost their identities. They they don't quite know what they want to do. They're not producing a lot of points. So this is a very interesting game, probably one of the more interesting games, to be quite honest, in the SEC this week, even if it doesn't have that high-profile type of uh, matchup um, you would see from afar. But I think just internally looking at these programs and what they're going through, it's it's this is, I think a turning point game for both programs. One program is going to go down and only win seven, eight games this year if they lose this game. The other one that wins it, they could turn things around. Um, obviously, Auburn, there's not much to turn around. They're four and one, but with the schedule they have coming up, they've got to win a game like this to stay in the uh, championship hunt and also keep the fans relatively happy. Otherwise, they're going into a situation where they're only going to probably win eight games this year. Uh, for Auburn so but for Mississippi State what has been so interesting and I want to ask Matt White about this is that they've gotten away from what has made them so successful in the past and that's running the football Um, they're running the football almost as much as you'd see like a team like Texas Tech Uh, they're throwing the ball more often with a quarterback in my opinion Nick Fitzgerald who is a below average passer against Average to above average defenses. And when he goes against elite defenses, he looks absolutely terrible. Um, and we've seen that just in the past two years when he's faced uh, faced Auburn, excuse me. Uh, he's been below 50% passing. He's throwing interceptions. And Auburn's blown them out in each of the last two games, including that big blowout in Starkville in 2016 but having said that Auburn's a little bit different this year offensively they don't have that power running game we're accustomed to seeing so that's also interesting in in a comparison too. Mississippi State's kind of gotten away from the power run game though they could probably still use it because they got some good running backs meanwhile Auburn just can't get the running game going no matter who they put back there at running back the last two games they've been held under 100 yards and now you're about to face a Mississippi State defensive line that is as good as one uh, they face this year perhaps only second only to LSU, but they might actually be better than LSU's defensive line. Montez Sweat is just an incredible pass rusher. Jeffrey Simmons is a run stuffer who can also rush the passer. This is a defensive line that, technically speaking and on paper, might be the best pass rushing defense 
in the SEC. And I don't think that's being talked about enough. And considering Auburn's struggles along the offensive line, which we have just talked about to death, and then Auburn also dealing with injuries to their top two tackles, man, that it's going to be a lot to ask for Auburn offensively against Mississippi State and do so on the road with all those cowbells, as we all know. And an interesting thing about that with the cowbells, the SEC tweaked a noise, artificial noisemaker rule, and also uh, for bands that play and, and music that comes across the speakers that allow teams now at home fields to play uh, sounds, play music, and then also for uh, Mississippi State fans who have the cowbells to ring those until the center for the opposing offense puts his hand on the football. It used to be that the center only had to stand over the football, which was usually maybe sometimes for five, ten seconds before he put the hand on the football, and then they would start getting into their, their motions and everything. Well, Florida last week against Mississippi State made a made a beeline to the football and put their hand on the football uh, to stop those cowbells. And Auburn plans to do the same. I asked Gus Malzahn about it earlier this week, and he said, yeah, we're going to try and do that. Now, Here's here's the other problem with those cowbells and just that environment. Florida had multiple false start penalties in that game. Mississippi State is a team that thrives on forcing their opponents into penalties on offense. It's always been like that there because of the atmosphere. It's one of the loudest in the SEC, and if you've never been there, it's it's an incredible atmosphere, if not maddening because of how loud it is with those cowbells. Meanwhile, Auburn's offensive line has had struggles with penalties all season long. Uh, They had four false start penalties last week against Southern Miss. Two holding penalties against Southern Miss. The false start penalties are what can kill Auburn because it puts them behind the chains early in downs. And that has been Auburn's weakness all season, just even before penalties, is being behind the chains uh, on third down when it comes around. And Auburn can't afford to have false start penalties against Mississippi State, or they're just not going to be able to move the football. Um, but Gus Malzahn said this week that they got to play more to their strengths. Now, he's, he has said that before, but he was specifically mentioning like as a team and kind of revamping their approach to games, which leads me to, to believe, and I might be wrong, but them going on the road and with them – over these last two weeks against Arkansas and Southern Miss, just pleading with their players, don't turn over the ball, no turnovers, no turnovers. I believe they're going to play a much more conservative game offensively. I think they're going to max protect. I think they're going to run, try to run the football quite a bit. And they're going to lean on their defense and their special teams. They're going to lean on Aaron Sipos to pin opponents, pin up Mississippi State uh, inside the 20-yard line, force a long field. And they're going to depend on their defense to stop stop the run, force three and outs, and maybe get a turnover or two to turn into a short field and score points. That's my feeling. I think that's kind of the game plan going into this for Auburn, which is interesting considering it's on the road. But I wonder if Mississippi State fans will sell out that stadium after two disappointing losses and dropping out of the top 15 to unranked after 28 to 7 and uh, I believe it was 13 to 6 losses to Kentucky and 
Florida, respectively, the last game being at home against Florida. Um, just two interesting teams at a turning point in the season, at the midpoint of the season, with similar troubles on offense, similar successes on defense, trying to change things up. And I think you're, you might go into this game and see two teams changing their philosophy a little bit offensively just to see if something gets something going. Uh, this is going to be a heck of a game to watch either way. If it's low scoring like I'm expecting, I think it's going to be a fun low scoring game where it's going to be all about field position, all about defense. It's going to be a bloody your nose, hard hard fighting, just punch after punch type of game. Now, for Auburn, they've got to be as healthy as possible going into this game. As we all know, they have three offensive starters who were injured against Southern Miss. The latest I can tell you as I record this on a Thursday afternoon is that Jartavis Whitlow, the running back, he's probably the most questionable to play. He injured his left shoulder. It was dislocated, I was told, late Saturday night uh, by a source that it was dislocated. Auburn's yet to confirm exactly what the injury is. But that realistically should keep you out a game or two. But I'm told that he's gonna he's doing whatever he can to play, which means give me all the medicine you have if if you can. Um, but it's up to the team doctors and everybody to clear him and say it's safe to play because there can be ligament damage, obviously, with that. It's not just your shoulder popping out and you pop it back in like a action figure, you know, <laughs> when you break off one of the arms or whatever and you put it back in its socket. It's not like that. There, there could be ligament damage. You got to worry about that. So, but I'm told he is hell bent on playing this week. We'll see. He. And the tackles, Prince Tega at the left side and Jack Driscoll on the right side, uh, both practiced on Tuesday. I'm not sure about Wednesday. I haven't heard word, but my guess is that they participate in something. Uh, Thursday's more of a light walkthrough. There won't be really any practice going on. Uh, but it sounds like that the two tackles are going to play, and if, if not limited. But the big question is going to be about Whitlow. Now, the good news is, for Auburn, Cam Martin really showed out, um, I thought, uh, against Southern Miss. And if you look at the numbers, I did a story on him at AuburnUndercover.com Wednesday. Uh, six of the seven first downs they had on the ground against Southern Miss were Cam Martin running the ball. One Jartavius Whitlow in the first half until he got injured. It was actually Cam Martin. Cam Martin was only averaging like 2.4 yards a carry in the first half while he was sharing carries with Whitlow in the second half when it was the game was on the line he averaged 4.3 yards which isn't incredible you want your you want your uh, running back averaging five yards a carry uh, against an opponent like that but 4.3 yards a carry in the second half picked up five first downs in the second half just running the ball also another I believe catching the ball and of course kind of helped melt the game away by getting them in field goal range uh, to win that game 24-13. And Cam Martin has changed his approach running the football. Used to be he was trying to emulate on Johnson, trying to be a little bit more patient, waiting for the blocking to develop and hitting a hole. Well, it's obvious he can't do that with this offensive line the way it's struggling. So he's gone back to what he's used to. Get the ball, run up field. Get the ball, run up the field. Don't make 
you know, reads and try to make cuts and everything. He gets the ball, tries to find a hole quickly and run. Um, and that proved successful last week against Southern Miss. And the coaches want him to continue to utilize that style and that approach. And I think for that very reason, even if Whitlow can play in this game, I think Cam Martin's going to end up starting. That's just my educated guess. That's not a source telling me anything or anything like that. That's just my educated guess that Cam Martin's going to start this game no matter what. And if Whitlow is able to go medically, they will share the ball and give him the ball in some certain situations. Now, if Whitlow cannot play, I think it's going to be Cam Martin. He's going to share some carries with Sean Shivers. And then Malik Miller will come in on third downs as more of a pass protector. Booby Whitlow was kind of their pass protector in the backfield on third downs. But Malik Miller will be that guy, which opens up some things because we saw Malik Miller catch a 30-yard pass out of the backfield. But I think they've got to run the ball to be and be successful to win this game. The defense has got to force turnovers. I think they've got to force one or two turnovers to win this game at Mississippi State. I think it's going to be a tough, low-scoring, close game um, unless this is the breakthrough game for the Auburn offense. You never know. I, I wonder about the mentality and the mindset of this Mississippi State team after two draining and emotional losses, especially the last one. I mean, listen, guys, they played against their former head coach of 10 years, Dan Mullen, that took that program from the bottom of the bottom to playing in New Year's Six Bowls with Dak Prescott and winning you know, double-digit games. And now they're, the fan base there has expectations of winning at least eight games a year. And you bring in Joe Moorhead, who was termed an offensive genius while he was at Penn State, he comes in, all of a sudden their offense is struggling a little bit, and they're a little upset with how everything's going. I don't think it's going to be a sell-out game like it was last week where that thing was filled to the brim. It was one of the loudest games in Mississippi State history. Uh, I wonder how the fans will respond, and I wonder how that team responds when they face Auburn this week. Are they pumped up to get back on the right track, or are they not necessarily packed it in, but are they emotionally drained and physically drained in this game? That's something also to watch. Some of the, not necessarily an intangible, but something you have to weigh in a game like this. Okay, I want to talk to Matt Wyatt, the former Mississippi State quarterback, who, if you guys remember, 1999, came into Auburn and beat Auburn. Uh, He's since gone on to work in the media for doing stuff for SEC Network. Uh, He has his own radio show in Mississippi and does a great video uh, breakdown of X's and O's of teams across the SEC. He did a great one on Auburn and LSU after that game uh, to really help you understand what was going on with Auburn's offense and what was going wrong with Auburn's offense, I should say. So um, I got a lot of questions for Matt. So let's go ahead and just bring him right on in. Matt, I wanted to start off by just talking about how similar both of these teams are in Mississippi State and Auburn. Two offenses still trying to figure things out, it seems like, and then two defenses that you can really rely on to to keep it low scoring. Tell me, what do you think about these two programs? One's in the top 10, one's outside the top 10, but easily it could be flipped depending on um, kind of the – the way things go with with the offenses earlier in the year, Auburn caught uh, some some lucky breaks, had a big win early in the season, but uh, ever ever since then, Auburn's offense has really been struggling. And then, of course, we saw this last two weeks. Uh, Mississippi State's only scored thirteen combined points. So what do you, what do you make yeah. of these two teams? Yeah, um, and I, and I will tell you, you know, I've obviously seen 
more of state than I have of Auburn. Auburn, just from a distance and watching them on TV and a couple of the games I haven't been able to see much of, and I'm just now getting a chance to kind of go back and watch that Southern Miss game, which it was, you know, so choppy because of the delay. Um, so that's kind of my perspective. But what I do see is, yeah, you know, similarities in terms of your your stacked on defense with personnel. Those guys are keeping you in games and giving you a chance to win, and both teams looking for answers on offense. And and really, you know, I, you could probably speak closer to this on the Auburn side, but it also looks to me like they're both similar, Brandon, in that it's hard to figure out why they're having trouble on offense. Yeah, you know, from a person from a personnel standpoint, and that's my that's a tough thing for me. Is you know, when it comes to state. I, you know, I'm the analyst on the radio crew, and for a while I've been, um, you know, kind of uh, in the video world and doing some video breakdowns, which over the last couple of years, those have kind of picked up in popularity. And so now what I'm finding is when I do those things, I'll break down a few plays, and people are really looking to me for answers. And in this situation with State, I, I don't know that there is a real clear answer as to, you know, that you can just put your thumb on one or two things. Well, here's a problem. You know, because you've got that portion of the fan base here that thinks, always thinks it's the quarterback. You know, all the offensive stuff starts and ends with the quarterback. And in this case with Fitz, um, it just, it, the issues on offense don't really start with him. There's a lot of things going on around him that lack continuity. And therefore, when he does miss somebody that's open, which there's only been a few times where he has a guy wide open, he misses him. It's just it's very much magnified because you got issues going on elsewhere too. Does that make sense? And so, yeah, right. Um, I almost sense the same thing with Stidham in that, you know, the issues they're having don't really start with him. Um, he's taking care of the ball. Nowadays you can't play quarterback at big-time college football unless you take care of the ball and don't turn it over well. I mean, he's thrown, what, two picks this year. Fitzgerald and all of his snaps has thrown one. You know, they're protecting the ball. In general, they're kind of reading things correctly most of the time, but there's just this lack of, whether it's lack of separation, getting people wide open in the pass game so you get easy completions, or whether it's finding that big gash running play. Those things just aren't there. And I, I know for State that um, – the offensive line is being asked to do things a little differently than a year ago, two years ago, and some things that they've never done before, which is a lot of straight drop back pass pro. Right. They used to really never never do that. They do a lot of like all the pass game last year with play action stuff based off the run. Well now there's a lot of situations where, you know, you're lining up in a pass situation, in a pass formation and basically just telegraphing to the defense. We're throwing the ball, and it's just straight drop-back protection. And so some guys like Josh Allen at Kentucky and that kid last week at Florida took advantage of your tackles a couple times. So I don't know, Brandon. I just think that, you know, it's a, there's a lot of things that you that go wrong on different plays. That, and at, at the last thing I'll tell you on that, I used an example today. I don't know where it came from. It just I, I opened my mouth, and it came out. It's like riding a bicycle uphill. You got to do three things to get the bike up the hill. Three things. You got to pedal with your feet. You got to lean forward with your body. And you got to hang on to those handlebars and steer with your hands. 
And if you don't do one of those three things, you ain't going up that hill. It's not happening. Mm -hmm. (laughs) So what's happening with state's offense is on a given play, two out of the three major things are working, but the other one breaks down. And then two plays later, that one doesn't break down, but something else does. And, And so that's just, that's kind of where they are, where they have been anyway, the last two weeks. Yeah, from a simplistic standpoint, and from I guess my simple mind, just uh-huh. looking, just getting to watch some of the Florida game, and then just looking at the stats, it seems like Mississippi State's kind of abandoned the run, which has been such a yeah. uh, identity for them over the years. And with the talent they have, I, I was surprised to see guys like Kylan Hill and everybody just not carrying the ball all that often these last two games. Yeah. And it wasn't like this previous game they were playing from behind the entire time. They were up 6-3 at halftime, going to third quarter. Why aren't they running the ball a little bit more? That's a great question. And you're hitting on what is kind of the big rub. is Kylan Hill and Eris Williams had a combined 12 carries against Kentucky, and then they had another combined 12 carries against Florida. That's crazy. And. I mean, it's hard to figure out. It's, I mean, the word that I've used, and I, I mean, it's not me trying to take a shot at the coaching staff. What I'm yeah. saying is, however you get to that, you can't justify it, right? Like, you, after the fact at the game, you can't look at it and go, well, here's the good reason that they only got – well, there's no good reason for that. Okay, so you go to answer your question, why is that happening? Here's my theory, and, you know, watching it and listening to what the coaches say. Um, they are reading everything in the offense, okay? So when you hear about, you know, an RPO offense, all the offenses have a, an element of run-pass option in it. The way Moorhead and everybody have installed and Luke Getty, the passing game coordinator, they're reading everything at the line of scrimmage, which is why uh, they're not a hurry-up offense because they're getting up there, they line up, then they look to the sideline and do a play, once the ball is snapped, the quarterback also, look, nine out of ten plays, he's got a run option and he's got a pass option. And the defense dictates which one you're going to do by how they play things, right? Because you're trying to, as an offense, we're going to read it, right? We're going to be really smart, and we're going to do what the defense has the toughest time defending based on how they line up. Does that make sense? Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. So, the most simple example would be, Brandon, you go to the line of scrimmage. We're in three receivers. We're in a, you know, 11 personnel. Um, let's say, yeah, let's just say 11 personnel. We've got a tight end and a single guy. Uh-huh. And I get, to, I get up to the line, and they're in man coverage with a single safety back there. And that means i got basically seven guys in the box around the line of scrimmage. So numbers-wise, I'm going to go, well, that's too many in the box. So I'm about to pull this ball out of the running back's belly and throw the one-on-one because right. that's what we're taught to do in this RPO offense. The, the opposite of that is kind of the way the offense was run under Dan Mullen. Dan Mullen would say, we're about to run the ball with a zone-blocking scheme over here on the left side. I don't care if they put all 11 guys in a box. As long as there's only three guys over my guard and tackle, then we're running it. Just hand it off. Because they're going to block two of them. I'm going to pull the other guard around. He's going to block the third guy. They can put all of them in there they want to. But you just read this one little slot on the field. And if that's got the right number in it, go ahead and hand it off. 
Does that make sense to you? Yeah, right. So, so that's what's going on. Is in these games, they are they've got a senior quarterback who, if you listen to him, they're saying he's he's doing a lot of he's strong mentally in the reading and the where the ball goes. He's kind of done what they've asked him to do, but now they are learning that it's not getting them in the end zone. That yeah. the consistency in executing that pass stuff isn't there. So what the last two defenses have done, they've said they're reading us a line of scrimmage, boys. Get up there. We're going to play man. Force them to throw the ball. We, we don't want Kylan Hill to beat us. So if we line up this way against this formation, if we go man into the boundary stuff, they're going to throw the ball. They're not giving it to him. So the defense is dictating your running backs not getting the ball which is exactly what they want. Now you got to figure out a way to flip that. With that Mississippi State defense, um, what has made them so successful? Is it strictly that that defensive line, or has there been more to it? Because you know, I've always said that you know, talent wins games, coaches lose them, and yeah. <laughs> they certainly have the talent uh, yeah. to win any game. I think defensively. Yeah, that, I do too. Um, you know, in the, in the, like the Kentucky game when the offense just, you know, the offense had negative yardage in the fourth quarter, and so eventually you kind of give out, you know, yeah. when you're constantly on a short field. But, yes, they played definitely played good enough to beat Kentucky. It was a 14-7 to game with eight minutes left, and the defense got an interception on the plus side of the field. Last week, it's a 6-3 to lead, and they get you an interception on the plus side of the field in the third quarter. You know, I mean, they're doing enough for you to win. Absolutely. So it's not just yes, it's not just the defensive front, Brandon. That is well advertised, the depth and the talent there. Simmons and Sweat, and those guys who are going to play in the NFL, and there's lots of depth. And that's the thing is like, there's so many good players on that defensive front. They're rotating in. You look up in a meaningful situation in like the second quarter, and Sweat and Simmons aren't even out there. They're getting a rest because they rotate everybody, you know. So they're just deep. And I would tell you probably one of the more underrated players in the conference has is and has been Jonathan Abram, the safety. Uh, he's a senior. He just plays so fast and aggressive, uh, big-time tackler. He's way on up there on a lot of NFL scout lists in terms of looking at the safety position in this upcoming draft. Not a lot of people talking about him. So you've got a lot of talent at different levels and plenty of depth on that side of the ball. They've only lost one significant guy to injury, and that was one of their starting corners, Jamal Peters. Um, but other than that, they're relatively healthy. So they're pretty good on defense. I, if, if it all holds up, it ought to be a low-scoring game. Yeah, I was going to ask you, I mean, I kind of expect the same thing. It's going to be a low-scoring game. Uh, Auburn's offense is struggling, as we've mentioned. How do you kind of see this game developing? Does the home crowd play a big factor for Mississippi State? Yeah. Can they get the turnovers to help the offense? Or uh, I guess just give me your, your thoughts on what's going to happen yeah. Saturday night. Well, I started to mess with you and tell you I think it's going to be three to two. Were you <laughs> around for the three to two game? No, I, that was two years before I arrived. Thank God. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> I was, uh, back then, I was doing a radio show with uh, a co host and producer who was an Auburn grad. And his name's Ben Dean. He's a big Auburn fan. And Ben and I were at the game. We were sitting up in the press box. And just before halftime, he looks over at me and he goes, 
this is the worst football game I've ever seen. <laughs> <laughs> and and so I said, you want to just leave? He goes, no, nah, no, nah, we got to stay. Half through the third quarter, I tapped him on the shoulder. I said, Ben, I'm going to ask you again. You want to leave? He's like, yeah, let's get out of here. So we didn't stay for the whole thing. And then we still couldn't believe it into three to two. I don't think we'll see that. Somebody's going to score. What I honestly expect, Brandon, and, and happy to be wrong and surprised, I expect both teams to come into this and say, you know what? We're going to ride our offensive line. We're going to run the ball against these other guys. Now, you may think, wait a minute, Matt. You know, Auburn is really good on defense. They've only given up five touchdowns all year. State's going to run the ball. Well, see, I think State has learned its identity has to be running the ball. And it, it, you can't, at this point, with what you've done the last two weeks, you can't consider who you're playing. You've got to go do something you got confidence in, right? And you don't have confidence in throwing it 35 times. So I think they're going to have a plan. I haven't talked to them about it. It's just my thought. I think they're going to have a plan for a way to just hand it off a bunch and see how see how much they can ride those running backs, which they haven't done. And I expect Auburn to kind of do the same thing. I really do. Because, uh, you know, a big reason why Kentucky was eventually able to wear State down in that fourth quarter, they get them a short field, it, they, they gave it to Benny Snell now and ran it right at them. And I think what Auburn probably is seeing on film is, look, if you try to get cute and go too much lateral with the state defense, they run you down. Florida did it, and they moved the ball some, but they didn't really score. The state just runs you down out there on the side. They're so fast. And also, if you are back there in that pocket too much, it's just going to happen. Sweat and Simmons are going to get there and hit your quarterback. They will do it if you stay back there holding on that ball. So, It'll be short passing game, run the ball for Auburn. It'll be try to establish the run if you're state. And it may be six to three again at halftime. Let's just hope those six points aren't three safeties. <laughs> <laughs> I was joking with some hey, people. Every... <laughs> I was just I was saying I was joking with some people that the final score would be six to four and all the points would be scored <laughs> through safeties. Safeties. Uh, Brandon, two, two here's what I'm gonna do. <laughs> if 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 it is if there are multiple safeties in the game, if there are more safeties and touchdowns, I'm gonna pick up the phone and call Ben Dean wherever he is. I think he's in <laughs> Oklahoma, and I'm gonna say, Ben, this is the worst football game I've ever seen. <laughs> Two years later, I'm gonna let him know that. <laughs> yeah. Well, thanks, Matt. Matt, of course, is a former Mississippi State quarterback that Auburn fans should be familiar with. He uh Came into Auburn and beat Auburn in 1999. And uh, yeah. where where could people follow you uh, on Twitter and also listen to? Uh, uh, and by the way, guys, he does an incredible job breaking down plays uh, through a new video series. You guys should go check out. We've featured a couple up on AuburnUndercover dot com as well. Some really good stuff, Matt. But where where could people find you and uh, listen to you and check out your new uh, X's and O's videos? Yeah, I, I appreciate you letting me plug it. Uh, the, the easiest way to do it is, number one, just follow me on Twitter, because most everything I do, you know, I send out links there. And that'll eventually lead you there. And I'm just Radio Wyatt on Twitter. And then if you want to go directly to the video stuff, like on YouTube or Facebook, either one, you can either just search my name, Matt Wyatt, or just, you know, look up Matt Wyatt Media on YouTube, on Facebook, 
you'll see the channel and you can, you know, see it right there. And I just appreciate it, Brandon. Thanks, Matt. Appreciate you, man. Well, that was interesting. I did not really expect to hear there being so much frustration with the fan base at Mississippi State with Joe Moorhead. I mean, the guy is just in his first season, but also just how how deep the numbers go as far as just how much Mississippi State has gotten away from the run game. I mean, 12 carries for those running backs? I mean, did anybody – I don't know if you guys did. Did you watch the Mississippi State-Kansas State game? It was an early morning game before Auburn played at night, so I got a chance to catch part of it uh, earlier this season. And Mississippi State and Kylan Hill ran all over them, and that's how they won that game. And they've gotten away from that. I want, and, and I wonder, if, as Matt said – if they go back to that against Auburn, try to have success against an Auburn defense, which by the way, has one of the best defensive uh, run defenses in the entire country that could feed right into Auburn strength, man. Interesting. Like I said, this game so interesting to me. Uh, I can't wait to cover it. We'll be going to Starkville uh, Saturday, of course, six thirty PM kickoff on ESPN two Auburn undercover. Myself will be there. Covering the action, we'll have live updates, everything you need to know. Um, should be a fun one. I'm looking forward to it. And uh, I know Auburn fans are just sitting there waiting. Oh, something bad's going to happen. Guys, enjoy football all you can. <laughs> because when football's over, we're all dying for it. Though, uh, I think Auburn basketball's going to be so good this year that might erase some of your memories if Auburn ends up having a just a mediocre season or anything like that. But having said that, enjoy football all you can, guys. Um even if this is a low-scoring game, I think it's going to be an entertaining game because both teams have such good defenses. It's not going to be like one of those games where you go, oh, Arkansas's defense is keeping Auburn in check. That's weird. Or, ooh, Southern Miss's defense is keeping Auburn mostly in check. No, this is going to be two legitimate defenses going at it. And just like you would in a game where two great offenses are going against each other, I think you should be able to sit back and enjoy a game like that when it's just two good defenses now having said that who knows how this game develops it might it might be a high scoring game for one team who knows we'll see that's what that's what makes college football great you really don't know what to expect week to week you really don't okay i think it's going to wrap up this episode of the auburn undercover podcast thanks for joining me guys enjoy the game enjoy all the games this weekend across college football i'm your man brandon marcello Go to auburnundercover.com for full coverage, and I will see you down the road. Down the road I go. <laughs>